Hello and welcome. This is Self-Control, How to Build a Better Life, the podcast that inspires you to take control of your mind and your mindset to go forward and build a life that you want to live. My name is Patrick Strevens, and this show is something of a journey for me. It's chronicling my journey towards peace of mind, if such a thing uh, could ever be possible. And I'm honored uh, that you're making it a part of yours as well. I want to talk today uh, about a, a behavior that's very common to all of us. Uh, it's, it's a human behavior, I think. Uh, but it could be, uh, if left unchecked or at least undealt with, you know, un, un, if we're unaware of it, let's say, uh, it could, I think, be the source of emotional problems, uh, a lack of self-confidence, and it could even be hurting your social interactions. So what is this behavior and, and how, do we, uh, how do we define it? How do we become aware of it? And how do we, um, how do we seek to, to at least understand it and begin to, let's say, minimize its effect on our lives? Um, well, I think it, first and foremost, we have to define um, the symptoms at least, right? It's, it's, we can't always define the problem right off the bat, but let's talk about some potential symptoms uh, that may be showing themselves in your life. And again, this is a place of no judgment. A lot of what I talk about on this show is all stuff that I have gone through or am still going through. Uh, so let's talk about the symptoms of this problem and then work to define it. So as I said, you know, if you find yourself um, with, a, a, I guess, a, a certain degree of a lack of emotional control, you know, if you find yourself, um, your self-confidence and your self-worth are, are suffering, you know, if you see yourself as being someone of, of little value, you know, if you don't have the confidence to go forward and pursue what you want and talk to the people that you want to talk to, uh, live a life, that you want to live, you know, if, if something is holding you back in that regard, as far as your confidence, you don't feel you can bring your entire self to bear on the world. And if you find yourself not necessarily having the social interactions that you'd like to have, you know, if you're, if you're argumentative, if you find people are you know, not so interested in talking to you all the time, um, these sorts of things. I think this problem that I've identified in myself and in others uh, could be at least partly a source of some of those problems, right? So again, if you're looking to, I think what these symptoms point to, like if you're looking to improve emotional control, improve your self-confidence, you know, become less volatile emotionally, maybe feel a sense of pride in who you are, a sense of certainty in who you are. And uh, if you're looking to maybe relate to others better and have better conversations, I think that I think that you can find that you can find that in yourself. That's that's the key here. You can find that in yourself and and really what we're going to talk about today is finding that in yourself and finding confidence in your own inner voice and uh in in your self-image, right? So as I continue to babble along here, let's get towards the problem. Um I think the human tendency, of course, is to seek the answer, right? The orthodox, rational, all-consuming all defining answer, you know, in, in the, in many days past, we would have called that, uh, the, a religious answer, right? The answer from on high, um, the God given answer to what the meaning of life is, to where we go after we die, all those sorts of things. Uh, something of a silver bullet, right? Something that's going to, something that's going to make it all, if not okay, at least it'll give us all the answers as what to believe, right? And you can, you can understand 
you can understand that from a, a biological level, when humans lived in small tribes and had no understanding of of the outside world, um, they had to they had to create some form of answer for themselves. And quite often, what we what we needed then was was a chief or a leader, right? Someone that could um, speak to us, speak the truth to us, tell us what to do, tell us where to go, what to believe, how to act, and then at least all of that. Um, all of that was taken care of for us. And um, again, I'm not trying to paint some ridiculous caricature here of, of tribal people being led by a chief, but I, I think you can understand that um, we as humans need, uh, on, on a, especially in, on a societal level, but also on a personal level, we benefit from being told directly what to do, where to go, how to act, how to think. That's just kind of how we are. We're social creatures. We know that we can we can get a lot further together than we can apart. Um, but quite often that that um, tendency can be used against us, right? To uh, we can be controlled. Uh, we're told that this is the answer, plain and simple. This is divine from from God. God spoke to me, and I'm telling you now um, what to do and how to act and what to think and wh- where to spend your money and where to spend your attention. And uh, what to do with your life. So, of course, religion is the paramount example of this, right? Um, you know, I, I said that it's it's conceivable that many, many, many decades or many, many centuries and 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 beyond, you know, before the Industrial Revolution, even when we were tribal, when we were hunter-gatherer, um, surely there was a, a simple, a simplistic uh, hierarchy in society. And um, there was some sort of leadership group or leadership council that, knew the answers, led the ceremonies, and decided the fate of the group. Um, as we move forward and, uh, you know, Christianity took hold around the world, it's the same thing. It's um, someone, in this case a priest, uh, functioning as a mouthpiece or a demagogue, right? As, as a, a translator of the word of God to all of us and, and telling us how to live, what to think, what's going to happen after you die, and where you're going to go after you die, depending on the choices that you make. So humans are very receptive to this in a lot of ways, right? Like, of course, we, we can see the, the power and the impact of religion uh, all over the world. It's an outsourcing of what we believe, think, or do to an ideology or a dogma, right? Like, I, I really am trying to hammer home the point of this all-consuming system of thought and ideology or dogma captures that very well. It's, it's just that it's, you're outsourcing your critical thought, or at least your, your personal opinion, your personal beliefs to an external system. You're being prescribed to a way to think. Okay. So keep that in mind. That's, that's kind of step number one here. When we, when we start to identify this problem, outsourcing your belief to an external form of thought that's being prescribed to you, okay? And again, I know the average person, certainly who's listening to this show, you guys are all highly intelligent creatures. The average person has way more critical thinking skills than that. You know, we, we can all, we're all capable of blending tradition uh, with our own personal opinion, you know, and, and blending the traditions of the past, whether they're religious or cultural or, or, or familial, blending that with, with the modern world, right? Like we can all 
come together and celebrate Christmas, even if we don't necessarily devoutly believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? We know that, and that's that's maybe we should say a good word about religion here and the way religion functions as a um, a community building force, um, a force that creates that tradition in our society, gives us a reason to get together, to be thankful. You know, if you, now you could say, well, you're choosing to direct that thankfulness to an externality, an externality to God, whoever that God is to you. And sure, but again, again, we, these days, many of us have the ability to appreciate uh, religious language, religious tradition, without fully giving into it and, and, and defining our entire lives by um, an ancient dogma. Although there's nothing wrong with ancient traditions. I saw a great tweet that said uh, that tradition is a solution to a forgotten problem and you take away the tradition and the problem returns. And that's part of what we're talking about here today. So again, the average person uh, is able to blend tradition and, and modernity, uh, modern ways of thinking, and, and blend that tradition with your own um, personal thought. But I think that it does go deeper than that. I think that um, especially as we, we move now into the second decade of the 21st century, we're now 100 plus years into what I would call a secular society, right? And Writers such as Friedrich Nietzsche, uh, Dostoevsky, they foretold of this coming secular society, right? Where, you know, Nietzsche famously said, God is dead and his blood is on our hands. But even if, and I think what they were talking about, of course, is that sort of the the loss of religion as a organizing society or an organizing force in society. You know, we're quite likely in, in many parts of the world um, in many parts of the world, I mean, completely many parts of the world, there's a, a lack or a, let's say a separation of church and state, right? Where religion is no longer, um, a part of policy or governance. But we're, I think generally the population generally uh, is probably less religious than they were a hundred, 200 years ago. I could be wrong about that, but I would have to maybe look that up before I start talking about it. But so if we're living in a secular society, right, a society where religion is less of a, an influence on our day-to-day, it's less of an influence on public life, that doesn't mean that the human need for God has gone anywhere, right? Like going back to what I was saying earlier, the, the, the human need to have all the answers, right, to be told why they're here and where they're going to go um, when it's over and, and what it's all for, that God provided that, right? And I think there's, you know, there's many arguments and probably a lot more thought than what I've put into it has been done by others about that there could be a genetic predisposition in humans to need that that why, that sort of um, to direct all of our um, unknowns towards a known, right? Like that's, that's essentially what religion does, right? It makes known uh, through faith um, what is essentially unknown. We, we can't know where we came from or where we're going or, or what it's all for, or who, who created this world, what created this world, how the world works. But through religion, we can then, of course, say, well, I know everything, right? So it's, um, it's a very intoxicating, a very seductive um, way of thinking because it preys upon a very deep, I would say, genetic uh, 
disposition, a genetic longing within humans to know what's going on and what it's all for uh, when we when we truly can't. So, as I said, the need for God has not gone anywhere, right? So, unfortunately, I think what is now happening in secular society is 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 that that need for God is being sort of um, it's looking, it's still looking. It's like there's plenty of I mean, put it to you this way, there's many, many, many people who would claim to be atheists who are doing the exact same thing that a religious fanatic is doing. They're claiming to know. They're claiming to know completely how everything works, right? So in my view, atheism is really no different than any other religion. So an atheism is just one form of that. I think uh, it's one form of this sort of secular religion, um, you know, and I, I don't want to go too far down this road because I used to go down this road on this on this podcast under a different name and it, it really doesn't do me any good. But what happened during the COVID-19 pandemic and the way in which uh, science, you know, trusts the science um, and, and the way that people took a very hardline stance on um, how they felt about what was right or wrong to be doing uh, during that pandemic that was a that was a religious experience that we all went through that was our religious urge taking taking hold right people claim that well science will tell every tell us everything these vaccines will save us or these or by the opposite token there was a whole group of people saying that um what was being done to us was in some way um was in some way um against our freedoms against our uh our God-given freedom, right? So again, I, I don't want to go down that road as far as take a stance on that because it's it's far too big and it's far too murky and there's not nearly enough truth or enough information known about what really happened during those years. But I would argue that if you look back over the pandemic, you could see humans' religious tendencies uh, flaring up and being applied to um, what was a material, real thing going on um, in this world. So I think that many of us, and I, I will get to my own personal experience with this. And so again, there's no judgment going on here. If this is something that you are partaking in, I think we all do do it to some extent. Many of us put our faith then in demagogues, right? That's people that claim to speak the truth in some way or another. Um, and there's many, have you ever listened to the daily wire? <laughs> um, politicians, celebrities, podcasters, newscasters, um, even social media influencers or, you know, Twitter is just ripe with these, uh, these gurus, right. Who just tweet this, this, this pablum of making you feel, making you feel empowered or else making you feel disempowered unless you, you know, follow their way of thinking. But ultimately we're putting our faith in the words of, on the word of others, right? Um, I don't remember if I said this already. I don't think I did. Um, in the Islamic faith, there's a concept called shirk, and it's a crime, and it means to uh, um, worship anything other than the true God. And now this podcast will not make any sort of a comment on what the true God might be, but you could you could think of that as an as an important, you could think of it conceptually, right? We're worshiping anything other than the true God, or we could. I'm also going to use the term now, idol worship, right? So an idol being a a material. Um, representation of God on earth, you know, 
Um, and I think demagogues, like, I mean, we, we could start naming them. And I don't, I'm not going after these people personally. Uh, but again, I mentioned the Daily Wire, you know, there are guys on there like Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh. Um, uh, how about Joe Rogan, you know, Jordan Peterson, Donald Trump. Up here in Canada, we have Justin Trudeau. And those are people who they're very, they're, by their very nature, they're very positioned. And, and Rogan less so. He's he's fairly nuanced. Uh, but again, it's people still treat him like an idol and take his word as gospel a lot of times. And a lot of the times what they're doing is they're taking his word as gospel so that they can then take a stand within a broader, as they see it, cultural debate going on about, you name it, whatever it is that we're debating about here, people's rights, essentially, and what is the right action and what is the wrong action. But if you're putting your faith in other people, right, if you're taking their word as law, if you're taking what they tell you um, as how you should behave, how you should think, and... This happens in so many ways, so I'm going to hopefully try and break it down a little bit better. When you put your faith in a, in a talking head on the internet or a voice on a podcast like me or a politician who has very little interest in you beyond getting your vote, you're not making time for yourself and you're silencing your inner voice. If you're letting the voice of another tell you how to think, your inner voice is being weakened, period. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't trust the weatherman. I'm not even saying that you yourself can't uh, watch the news and make your own decisions and form your own opinions about what's going on in the world. But I think it it goes deeper still. And this is well-trod territory, I think. Uh, And if you're in, I mean, if if you're in the world, if you're on social media, surely you're aware that a lot of online clickbait, uh, social media algorithms, and even, you know, broadcast news all those cultural institutions are designed for whatever reason to incite fear and anger in, in the spectator, in the viewer, in, in you and me. Now, do they do that to maintain our attention for the advertisers? Probably. Or is there a more sinister plot? You know, is the World Economic Forum and the, the, the Illuminati and the lizard people, you know, moving us towards the transhuman endgame, as Alex Jones said. Look, I don't know. I don't know, and it doesn't really matter because even that is a symptom of the same thing, right? You can get mad about you can get mad about how media is making you mad, and then and then come up with a conspiracy as to why. It's still a theater. It's still an arena in which you have no control, and applying your emotional energy to it is doing you very little good. So many of those cultural institutions that I mentioned, you know, news media, sports is a great example here. Politics, of course, politics has become a team sport. Um, they're, they're, they are by their nature tribal, right? They require in-group and out-group biases. They require you to pick a side, essentially. And, you know, I'm trying to nuance it here. Like even social media stars or gurus or influencers, they create communities, right? And what do they do in those communities? They sell you products they sell you their ideas they sell you their identity you know even the old the old uh, fan club idea or the or the idea of somebody having a fan base all these people who look up to this person as being greater than just a person right as being a star as being an idol all of these all of these function all of these functions essentially the same way. They consume your identity to a degree. Your identity is now subsumed to theirs. 
Your beliefs are subsumed to theirs if you let them, right? You become an extension of an idea. You now become a mouthpiece for an idea. If, and again, this is me teasing this idea out to its logical end. I know you may be a fan of XYZ Podcaster. You may watch whatever show. You may agree with some of the words of some of these people and, and can think for yourself. That's great. But there's definitely, I would say, a, a group or a class of people who, who maybe aren't aware of how um, under the spell of these idols they, they are. And it's not, even, it's not even necessarily a sinister thing where these, these people, uh, whether it's, again, it could be a podcaster, it could be a, a YouTube personality, could be uh, a news media personality, you know, TV personality. They're not necessarily... I hope, and they may be, they may not have a sinister, although I do think some social media gurus really have a sinister, um, a sinister outlook as far as creating an army of underlings who, who think and believe what they tell them to believe uh, for their own monetary gain and for their own clout. But these idols, these personalities may not have a sinister goal in mind be that as it may, if you still invest your emotional energy into their identity, into their words, into their um, day-to-day goings-on, into their life and their beliefs, it's erasing your own. So, I mean, we can look back over six, seven years or, or even more, and we could start again to name some of these. Like, how about, how about the how about the, the idol-in-chief, Donald Trump? I mean, he broke the brains of many, many people, whether they went all in on him and thought he was the second coming of Christ or as and your language advisory here if you've got children in the room. A friend of mine called Donald Trump the left's big orange dildo because people on the left or people who were anti-Trump really, really, really enjoyed it seemed getting off on blaming him for all the problems. It was, he's a perfect example here. It was so easy to just blame him for everything that was wrong in the world. Problem solved. Right. Uh, But I mean, there's many of them, right? Like for me personally, I spent, you know, I listened to a lot of Joe Rogan and a lot of Jordan Peterson. And I'll talk about that shortly. Um, In Canada, our leader, Justin Trudeau has really been a lightning rod for, um, well, uh, <laughs> just being an absolute buffoon, truly, and, and making decisions that seem to be on a ideological or dogmatic basis. Um, how about Dr. Anthony Fauci? He became something of the second coming himself, uh, even though if you really dig into his, his b- behaviors over the last 30 years, it's quite horrifying. Um, how about football star Colin Kaepernick? Remember before the pandemic, when he took a knee during the anthem and became a lightning rod um, for anti-military um, sentiment for some reason. That was a great example, right? Is he, he took a knee for one reason, and uh, right-wing commentators immediately made it about the troops in order to rally a whole bunch of people against him. Um, Aaron Rodgers, another football player who was sort of anti-vax. Um, Kanye West, I mean... Maybe not so much. I don't know what the hell's going on with him lately. But again, an idol, right? Gigantic following, gigantic influence, gigantic monetary, um, gigantic monetary value. 
and legions of people that worshipped him, bought his music, listened to his words. Even Warren Buffett is a good example, right? Like a lot of people, like there's, you know, a disproportionate amount of intelligent people in, in finance. They always refer to Warren Buffett. And again, I'm sure he's a smart guy. He's made billions of dollars and made money for many, many people. But again, he becomes this idol. He becomes this figure within what is a gigantic, chaotic system, that being um, the stock market and, and related sort of goings on. Uh, and then, of course, I mean, you could name any any sports star in the world. You know, I've got Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Lionel Messi, Right, like people people who wear these people's names on their back, like that's a crazy one, right? The fact that, and again, I've done a lot, I do a lot of work for a professional sports team. I have a lot of love for people who love sports, right? They they pay my paycheck a lot of the a lot of months of the year, and their passion, I enjoy it. I, I love working with sports fans, but if you're unquestioningly wearing another person's name on your back, um, you, you kind of got to think about that for a second, don't you? And even if you don't want to think about it, you could at least see it as what it is, right? You are taking on the identity of this person and your emotional state, your self-confidence, your self-image is now tied to them. Here now, you've paid hundreds of dollars for the for the chance to wear their name on your back. You paid another few hundred dollars to come and watch them play live and in person. And they lose, they underperform and you lose. How are you going to feel when you are now essentially... Um, an extension of them. Or more recently, you know, whatever's going on in the Ukraine, Vladimir Putin and and Vladimir Zelensky, uh, they've become idols in their own way, right? Putin, of course, this this pariah now, this much hated, and, and rightly so, this much hated figure. And Zelensky for a while was this, I mean, he's, he's, He's on magazine covers. He's in movies all of a sudden. He was um, hanging out with Sean Penn and Ben Stiller. Like he he himself became um, an idol, this sort of beacon of of uh, I don't know what of 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 I don't know of, of solidarity of of uh, you know of resistance of strength of all these values that we that we do admire in a person. He became this sort of again a lightning rod for our own. Um, again, it was, to me, it was a form of shirk the way this man was worshipped um, by those of us in the West. But again, I don't want to go too far down the political road because I'm not well-versed in any of it. Uh, you know, I, I see it all very, very, from a very, you know, 30,000-foot bird's-eye view, and I just try and see it for what it is, um, but I don't know the nuance of a lot of it. So I just I hope that those examples are useful, as you can see in in where in the way in which at least a politician, or a media figure, or an athlete can become a representative of a school of ideas. And if you then choose to fall in line with one way of thinking or another, and you identify with these figures, uh, you you I think in some way risk erasing your own identity. Because the truth is, you know, your sports team, your your political party, your political leanings. I mean, how about that? Your sports team is not your sports team. It's the team that you follow. Your political party, I suppose you could be a card-carrying member. Uh, but if it's just someone that you're voting for, they're not yours in, in any real sense of the word, right? You're choosing to see them as yours. But really, they would probably say that 
you are theirs, right? And so your political leanings, let's say, your the content creator that you consume is consuming you. And so when you go to bat for these people in an argument or in an online post, you know, so much of your energy is wasted, right? I mean, they don't benefit from from your defense or your support largely. So what's the point? Well, I think the point is that perhaps you haven't done enough, and this is where I was at, you haven't done enough work on yourself and and your own inner voice. And so we're going to talk about that very shortly about, well, how about this? How about this? Because I want to make sure that as much as I'm having fun showing off and explaining this problem, I I do want to make sure that we hammer home, that I hammer home some solutions for you, the listener, um, that you can hopefully take home. But Let's say if you're if you're getting emotionally triggered um, by political debate, you know if if you make political debate about the politician rather than the policy, you know if you're just if you're just anti-Trump, build the wall. <laughs> like if you're anti-Trump or you're pro build the wall, let's say, um, and you're not thinking about the the thousands and millions perhaps of, of of illegal immigrants that are coming into the United States southern border and what an impossible problem that is. You know, so if you're if you're making it about the politician, you know, if you're making ad hominem attacks, like in a lot of ways, our cultural discourse has fallen, fallen, fallen very far down to the point where we're just attacking the politicians personally. And I don't necessarily have a problem with attacking politicians personally. I think they've set themselves up for it. But let's be clear, through lobby, lobbying, right, big business interests, and the corruption that goes on behind closed doors, um, the politicians are, have very little, very little control over what goes on. They're bought and paid for, are they not? You know, so if again, if you if you cry when your favorite athlete underperforms and your team loses, if you get into arguments defending someone like Joe Rogan to your to your liberal aunt or against your liberal aunt, or you know, if you're still blaming Donald Trump for the problems of today. Those are some signs that maybe your your personal identity, your inner voice has been has been muted, has been silenced, has been compromised and you're filling the gaps with externalities, people. And it's again, just as religion was very seductive um, to people let's say in the Middle Ages before they could read, it's it's not at all it's not at all hard to understand why somebody would would behave this way. I mean, sports now is a spectacle. The athletes are superhuman and they're presented to us um, in 4K, in in HD, on our phones, on our TVs all day long. Politicians, you can't, you know, you see them everywhere on Twitter, on TV, on the news, right? Like we're inundated with information, with images, with faces, with quotes, with voices, right? Like it's impossible it's impossible in some ways to resist the onslaught of information and the onslaught of, of idols and the invitations by the media machine to become a follower. But if, again, if you find that you are arguing about stuff that doesn't have to do with your daily life, because again, I need to make this point very clear. Your sports team, your political party, whatever's going on in the Ukraine, uh, whatever is going on with your favorite internet personality you have no control over it none of it matters and they stand to gain from your emotional energy that you are 
investing in them, not the other way around. You stand to gain nothing from what you invest in those people. Yes, they may give you some good ideas. You got to put those ideas into practice and move on. Not just mindlessly consume and then stand up for them as if they were your God. So from early 2017 till probably sometime in later 2019, I was quite a, quite a fanboy of Jordan Peterson. And I, I do think that his central message in the early days that, um, you know, you need to take personal responsibility for your life, that no one is coming to save you, you know, that you should stand up straight, that you should work on becoming a better version of yourself. All that I found very useful. And it's probably the roots in some ways of what I'm talking about here. But of course, he was embroiled in the in in up here in Canada. He was embroiled in that um, trans what became the trans rights debate. And I found myself one time arguing uh, for him against a friend. And it's like, well, it's not it wasn't my position to do that because I liked some of his ideas. On the one hand, doesn't mean it was my duty to defend him against someone who who had a problem with other things he was saying, right? And the same with Joe Rogan, like when, when, when Rogan got embroiled in the whole ivermectin debate and the COVID vaccine debate, why the hell did I care to go to my parents' house with the limited time that we got to see our parents or our family or people that we loved over the pandemic? Why, why spend it arguing about what Joe Rogan said about the vaccine or what, you know, here in Alberta, our premier, Jason Kenney, he bumbled his way through COVID with the best of them. I would say he really, I mean, Alberta was really a mess during the pandemic. Why did we bother arguing about it at all when we, when we had no control over it? And I think part of the reason, part of the answer to that question is because we were always just seeking an understanding, right? It wasn't just me now trying to understand. It was my family members also trying to understand and clearly our understandings clashed. So we had to have it out. We had to have these discussions and, should say too that it's not wrong necessarily to, to argue. It's not wrong to debate, right? That That is how we build our understanding. But again, if you're getting into heated emotional debates centered around personalities and people and things that you have little control over and things where even if you did understand them, you ha- you would still have no control over them, you risk you risk losing a piece of yourself. And this show is about helping us find all those pieces of ourselves and put them back together. So, you know, someone like Jordan Peterson, somebody like the guys on the Daily Wire, um, I don't know, there's, there's, I'm sure there's equivalents on the left, I don't know, is there a guy named Hassan Piker, is that somebody on the left? I'm, I really don't care. But anybody that operates a brand like that, and there's hundreds of them on Twitter as well, they require your allegiance, your adherence, right? These gurus, they talk down to you to build an army of underlings. Let's let's face it, you have no control over what happens in the political sphere. You have no control over what happens in the sports and media world. And you certainly have no control about what other people are going to say to you, right? That controlling influence will be there until the day you die. So why waste your time acting as if you have the control? Again, why waste your time acting as if you have control? Why not take control over what you do have control over? And that is yourself. This idea of of left versus right, or that there's a cultural war going on, I would say is a larger part of a spiritual war that is going on. I'm not exactly sure who the two sides are in the spiritual war. 
But I would say that many people are losing. And I myself, simply by being a fanboy of an idol online, you know, by wasting my time smoking weed and playing video games in my past life, not developing myself, we all risk losing the spiritual war by getting sucked into team sport politics, by getting sucked into debate online, and by corrupting our relations with people that we actually love arguing about things that we have no control over. We risk abandoning ourselves, we risk losing the spiritual war. Of course, yes, some some social causes do require your attention, but what percentage of those social causes could you really affect change on? And I guess I would sort of wrap this rant up by asking, wouldn't a larger percentage of that energy be better spent directing or being directed towards yourself, improving yourself and improving your own life? I truly believe that if we improve our mindset, we take control of ourselves, we improve our own lives, we have then changed the world, right? You cannot change what goes on outside of your own life for the most part with any regularity, with any consistency, with any lasting impact. So then, if you feel so passionately about politics that you're arguing with your family, you know, go into that, but realize, you know, go after that. Don't be afraid of that. But just ask yourself, You know, was I getting off on getting angry? Could I have directed that energy to myself? Could I have truly changed the world if I understood that the world was my view of the world? Again, if we improve our mindset, take control over ourselves, resist external control, and we seek to change our own lives for the better, we have then changed the world. So let's now talk about then some actionable steps that I have taken myself and I think might work for you. If we're we're now going to say, okay, I'm aware that I am farming out my self-worth and my emotion to an externality. I'm worshiping idols. I'm looking for, I'm looking to place my faith in things that are outside of me, which I have no control. I think it's rooting the quality of my life. What are some things that I could do? I think, and you may have heard this expression before, a dopamine fast. And that, you know, I don't have, it's not the right place or the right time to go into that. It's something you can look into, but dopamine fasting would essentially mean removing the things from your life that you that basically give you a little hit of dopamine. And that could be social media, it could be pornography, it could be uh, music, maybe an overuse of listening to music, let's say, Um, TV, um, you know, things that give you pleasure and things that keep you coming back essentially are are what's releasing dopamine. So we're talking specifically about content. Um, If not a dopamine fast, perhaps what I would call a content diet check. So um, just don't change anything right off the bat, but uh, go into keeping some record or some notes of what it is that you're actually consuming. It's like, are you choosing to listen to Joe Rogan five times a week? Are you, you know, or, or, or whoever the hell else, I don't know, the young Turks, like don't change anything, right? Like just get a sense of what you're doing. Are you watching three hours of CNN per day? And then you're angry 
and buying a lot of prescription drugs, you know, just start keeping track of what it is you're doing. So much of, so much of what I, I think advocate on this show, um, a little bit of awareness goes a long way to uh, beginning an improvement in one area of your life or another. And, you know, so just be aware of it. What are you consuming and how does it make you feel? And then if you wanted to take the next step, and this is what I've done, I started removing part of it from my life. It's like, I don't have to listen to every Joe Rogan podcast. I was listening to like, every comedian has a podcast and God bless them. They're all very funny people, but I don't have to listen to every podcast that every comedian puts out. It's like, it's erasing my own voice and it's not always all that funny. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, here's what I came to realize. If you can't be without the noise of news or podcasts or music, that's a sign. But rather than seeing it, well, it's a sign of something negative. How about this? It's an invitation to do some self work. If you struggle to just be unplugged, you know, if you struggle to not just be scrolling or listening or watching at all times, that's an invitation to do some self work. And I only say that because you asked, right? Like you came to a show called how to build a better life. And now I'm telling you for me personally, when I realized that I was hooked in way too much to social media, to podcasts, video games, to TV, I started to strip all that away from my life. And what I would say, if you're struggling with, well, and what the hell do I replace it with? Um, something like mindfulness, right? And uh, mindfulness is a very simple practice. It is simply being aware of the present moment. And it starts with, I've said it many times, I'll say it until I wrap up this podcast. Once I become a millionaire off of all your donations. <laughs> Once I become one of these idols I'm raging against. But mindfulness involves mindful breathing. Take control of your breathing. Nose breathing in through the di and using the diaphragm. Slow controlled release using the diaphragm to push it back out. And if you take mindful control of your breathing, a lot of your problems will slip away, right? Like it's like, because if we're, if we're distracting ourselves, right? With, with TV, with podcasts, with, with scrolling on social media, we are very likely not in a mindful place, right? We're farming out our attention and our emotion to a, a virtual world. Let's come home to the real, right? Let's come home to the real inside of us. Start breathing. And if, depending on what you're doing or where you are in your day, some stretching, some exercise. You know, there's if you if you have a music subscription service like Spotify, there is unbelievable options there as far as music that is not rhythmic or melodic. It's just like binaural frequencies and stuff like that, meditation music. You can take control of, of that fear, of that anxiety of being undistracted through breathing and through coming home to what's real and, and you are what's real. Um, a slightly longer term process might be, because what I was talking about there was how our inner voice is, is muted, how our inner voice is undeveloped when we're spending all this time worshiping idols and listening to the words and the voices of others. You need to develop your inner voice and, you know, writing, journaling, you know, those are things that I did automatically without realizing how good they were for me, but they're things that I am, um, I have an affinity to, they're things that I enjoy doing. It, it may be a struggle for you, 
But I, again, I would say if you're looking for some, some guidance, um, if you're looking to sort of remove external influence from your life and, and see what's left, writing is, is great. And ironically, I will say Jordan Peterson once said that writing is the deepest form of thinking. So I would invite you to start writing. And it doesn't have to be journaling. It doesn't have to be anything structured, just a pen, notebook, write what comes to mind. Um, if not, if writing is not for you, too bad, start writing anyway. You say, I'm not a good writer. It's because you don't write. You can become a great writer if you just stick with it. And you, it's not like anybody's going to read it, but to become a great writer might simply mean you physically, or well, not physically, well, maybe you did. You deeply explored your mind and your thoughts through your writing. That's a great writer. You fully understood yourself through your own writing. Um, but when it comes to developing an inner voice, you know, prayer is very important. Again, ironic, as I spent some time <laughs> exposing or bashing religion. Uh, doesn't You don't have to pray to God, right? Or you don't have to pray to the same God I pray to. But making a quiet time to close your eyes and to speak out loud to whatever's listening. Even if in your mind there's nobody listening, then, okay, you're in a dark room talking to yourself, but... It's better, I think, than letting someone else talk to you all the time. Speak your thoughts. You'd be surprised how you can build your reality through your own speech and bringing your thoughts to life, exploring your thoughts. Same as with writing. You write, 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 write. The thoughts grow like a garden because you're taking time to go in and see what's there. If you don't want to call it prayer, call it affirmation. Call it declaration. Close your eyes and just speak what you want. Speak what went wrong. Speak what went well. Speak about how you're going to change. Speak about the world and the life you want to see tomorrow and in five years. And I guess a final step um, in this process would be to identify what triggers you and what is designed to trigger you. And again, We've, we've, we've said it we've said it all right media is in many ways designed to incite anger and rage in us fear that's a trigger start to become aware of those triggers i i found what social media accounts were triggering me stop following them or i scrolled right past them because at, at some point i said i'm smarter than that i'm going to keep them there i'm going to read their post and i'm not going to be triggered so however you choose to approach it identify what it is that triggers you and what it is that seems to get you, what it is that seems to pull you away from that inner voice and make you mad. Just make a note of it. Just be aware of it. And start to seek out personalities, content, creative sources like this podcast, I would hope, that instead of enrage and, um, you know, scare or seek to divide, or seek to um, silence your inner voice. Look for sources, and because they are out there, that want to inform you, that want to uplift you. So, again, some actionable steps that you could maybe take if you're finding that you've, you're lacking some emotional control, you're lacking some self-confidence, you're not having the best social interactions with people. It may be because you yourself are underdeveloped. 
and you're spending too much time um, thinking about what others in the media or on the sports field are doing. Do a diet check. What is it that you're consuming? Period. Don't, don't change anything right off the bat. Just check in with it. What are you consuming? How does it make you feel? And then you can maybe seek to start stripping away or reducing your exposure to those things. Work on developing your inner voice through writing, through prayer. Maybe you can start singing. I don't know. Whatever it takes. The thoughts inside you, they've got to come out because they're in there. And maybe they've been tamped down. Maybe they've been muted because you've been sort of stuffing in the thoughts and the words from the minds of others. Take those thoughts Take that external, take those externalities away. Take that external influence away, and start to bring your own voice to the surface through writing, through prayer, through affirmations, speech, writing. Even just think. If you want to lay back and meditate and think about what you think instead of thinking about what other people think, you know, and then start to be honest about what is triggering you. What in your content diet is making you angry? Is making you uh, upset? Is is leading to arguments with your spouse, with your parents, with your friends, is ruining your internal ecosystem with stuff that is designed to corrupt. And then you can seek out sources that don't do that, right? Like this podcast, like whoever the heck else is out there doing what I'm doing, you know? Find Facebook groups even that are built around the interests that you have and start conversations there, you know? Don't just be talked to all your life long. Start the conversation. Have a conversation with others and with yourself about important ideas. But before I start moralizing, (laughs) I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you for listening. I I hope you found this helpful. Please, if you did find it helpful, um, you can find me on Facebook. My name is Patrick Strevens. You'll see the Self-Control Podcast banner on my personal page. You can get in touch with me there. Please do it if you're finding this useful. I would love to speak with some people who are listening because I see you're out there. The numbers are growing. It's a wonderful thing. And um, until that time and until I speak with you again, please, please remember. And again, I'm not sure why this is the case, but we all know it to be true on some level. Please remember that better is possible. <laughs>